Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey everybody, welcome into the Film and Whiskey Podcast. We are back with another special bonus episode. Is this a bonus episode? I mean, technically. technically? We're back with another special bracket episode. Bracket episode. These are, I mean, no exaggeration, and objectively, the best episodes of every season, Brad. The pinnacle of podcasting. Oh my gosh, yeah, and of alliteration at that. Easily. <laughs> So we are back to give you part one of our season five bracket challenge. If you are new to the podcast and you've never heard one of the bracket challenges before, boy, are you in for a treat. Oh, buddy. What we do is we structure our podcast uh, in seasons of 32 movies. So we review 32 films. And at the end of those reviews, we put all of them into a madness style bracket and we eliminate them one by one until only one film stands and can be crowned the champion of its respective season. The real question is, have we ever had our madness style bracket end up in the month of March? Oh, I don't know if we have. It, we got to land on it eventually. You know, we'll really play it up and, and do the copyright infringement thing when that happens. Yeah, I'm in, dude. <laughs> We're going to end it together, you know, I <laughs> get that I love... season desist together. <laughs> I love it, man. Let's do it. <laughs> so to get the movies seated into a bracket, what we do is we take the scores that we gave each film during the episode that we recorded. We rank them one to 32. Uh, but by the end of the season, a lot of times we don't necessarily agree with the scores we gave. Or maybe we think, hey, I gave that movie a nine and a half out of 10, but I just like this other movie better that I only gave a nine to. And so Brad and I, independent of each other, independent from our objective scores, we just kind of rank the movies. You know, based on our heart, what our heart says, one to 32. And at the end of that, we now have three lists. I average them all together and therein lies the seating. And Brad, it has created some really interesting seatings this time around and some very interesting matchups in round one of our bracket. Bob, this is easily the weirdest bracket I think I've ever <laughs> filled out. Like I got to my elite eight and was like, I don't even... I don't even know what's going on here. No, I don't either. It, it's it's a very interesting set of 32. There's a number of factors going on here, Brad, and I'm not trying to vamp. Like, I really I think we need to preface this bracket episode with <laughs> I think, first of all, this is probably going to be our most contentious bracket ever. And that has a lot to do with just the way we structured this season. Season five was about movies that are not necessarily classics, but that meant a lot to us individually. And so I would pick a film, Brad would pick a film, and we just go back and forth throughout the season with that. Because of that, each of us is just kind of automatically more fond of the movies that we each picked. So I think that we it's are going to... weird. <laughs> right? I think we're going to kind of vigorously defend some movies here in a way that may or may not threaten our friendship at the end of the day. Yeah, I am 100% okay with destroying a decade-plus worth friendship <laughs> over this bracket. Over secondhand lions. Easily. <laughs> Easily. I'll also say that I kind of understand Brad better after ranking my movies 1 to 32. Because for four seasons, 
I've looked at the way that we've scored movies during the episode and Brad would be like, this is a 10 out of 10. Perfect example was, I don't remember what season we did it in, but it was Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Brad, you gave that movie a 10 out of 10. And then when you turned in your personal rankings of the movies at the end of the year, (laughs) it was like 20 or 21 out of 32. And I was like, what is this? And you're like, "Ah, I kind of forgot about it. I don't really have much to say. It's a 10 out of 10, but like it can go in the fiery furnace. And this time around, I have to say, when it came to ranking some of these movies, I had a movie that I gave like a seven and a half to end up in my top 10 of the season way above movies that I picked that I would give like a nine to just because like I can't picture a world without that movie. So I get it, man. I get it. It's really tough, dude. You have certain movies that are just meaningful to you and it's okay that they're not a perfect movie. They just hit you at the right place at the right time. Uh, like Elizabeth Town hits you when you were a, a wee pubescent 14 year old. And it is no longer hitting me, Brad. That, that <laughs> nope. bad boy is destined for the flames. That It is on its way. Bob, I am so excited to get into this, but this is not just the film podcast. No, it's what, not. Uh, what kind of whiskey are we getting into today, Bob? We are trying three whiskeys from our friends at Starlight Distillery. They uh, They really approved of our approval of their products on our last episode featuring Starlight. And they said, hey, here's some more whiskey. They make damn good whiskey, Bob. They make really good whiskey. So they gave us three more barrel-proof whiskeys to try. We've got a bourbon, we've got a rye, and we've got a wheat whiskey to try. And we will break Ooh. throughout the episode to try each of those whiskeys. Brad, we're going to jump into the bracket here. Can you explain, in true Brad Explains fashion, to our listeners, like what is the criteria under which we're operating here? It's not just, hey, I like this movie better than this other movie. There is a much more cosmic thing at play here with huge stakes. You see, in the world of film and whiskey, there's this thing called the fiery furnace. It's an inferno that destroys not only movies. It doesn't just destroy the movie. It destroys the memory of the movie. There is nothing left within the fiery flames Uh, And once a movie has gone into the fiery furnace, we are no longer allowed to reference it, think about it. It's just gone. It's it's destroyed. It is in the black hole that Matthew McConaughey is struggling in. Perfect. Thank you for that explanation. That's it, dude. Let's jump right in, man. Uh, As we said before, our seating in this bracket is very weird. And we will explain some of it as we go along, because I will not be (laughs) held accountable for some of these. Brad, your ranking was crazy. So I'll I'll call you out on that as we go along. See, here's the thing. I am at a severe disadvantage here because you never share with me your personal rankings of the list. Oh, I'm happy to. You can probably guess from 1 to 32 exactly what my ranking is. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's probably true. (laughs) But because of that, that has brought us out to a number one seed that I'm not not surprised at. I was wildly surprised that. If you asked me at the beginning of the season, like, hey, what would it be? I don't know if I would have picked Gone Baby Gone as our number one overall seed. Not at all. I I mean, I think I ranked it. Did I give it a nine out of ten or nine and a half? You gave it a ten. It was the only movie all season that we both gave a ten out of ten to. Okay. Yeah, I guess that makes sense then. Maybe maybe you gave it a nine and a half. But in any case, it was our highest ranked by our scores we gave on the episode. It was my second highest ranked in our list, and it was your, like, sixth or seventh. So based on all that, it's the number one seed. And it's going up against a not at all surprising 32 seed, Cameron Crowe's (laughs) Elizabethtown. (laughs) Brad, do we want to make any sort of passionate defense for Elizabethtown, or can it just kind of see its way into the furnace here? 
Dude, the bro wedding <laughs> is just one of the worst things that's ever happened Chuck in a movie. Cindy. Chuck and Cindy, you can go into the fiery furnace. <laughs> All right, so Gone Baby Gone is immediately moving into the round of 16, and that brings up what is probably going to be the most contentious thing we ever do on this podcast, Brad. <laughs> and that is the number 16 overall seed, Secondhand Lions, up against the number 17 overall seed, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Now, I will say this, Brad. My passion for the Hunchback of Notre Dame is like one fortieth of your passion for Secondhand Lions. <laughs> like, do I think that Hunchback is objectively a better movie? I do. But I also never saw it until like a year ago. Like, I'm I'm really big on this movie, but I do not have a decades long relationship with the film the way that Secondhand Lions does for you. I just think that Secondhand Lions epitomizes so many lessons that, like, need to be learned by today's society. Mm -hmm. And I sound like a 87-year-old man as I say that. Uh, when we're on season number 132 of this podcast, I'll have the same opinion. I just think that Secondhand Lions is a beautiful movie. And there, there's a really awesome story of what it means to be a man in the midst of that and how like what you're supposed to believe in and i i do think that the movie is well made i think that there are issues it we said it in the episode it looks like a tv movie mm -hmm. and i i'm okay with that mm -hmm. um i i truly think that with a little bit better cinematography you have a truly standout movie because the performances from the three leads are a plus performances agreed and all of the secondary actors like they ham it up but they fit the roles they need to fit mm -hmm. and so i i just i love secondhand lines i'm very obviously moving it on there there's no question for me here i am going to do something we've never done in the history of film and whiskey i'm going to give you a potential out we are going to tempt fate and uh whatever film and whiskey deities are watching over this here brad because Okay. I will go ahead and move on secondhand lions because there is a part of me. I, I moved on hunchback in my bracket. I just think it's a better movie. But there is a part of me that understands that if hunchback were to beat secondhand lions in a coin flip, like the way you will feel <laughs> makes me sad on the inside. Yeah. I will let you move it on now. If you will let nope. me have a veto later on in this. And I don't have anything in mind. I, I'm sure there will be yes, something. Yes, you do. I really don't, yes, Brad. Yes, you do. <laughs> I really don't. I'm it's, looking at the rest of the, the list. Next, it's the next movie. <laughs> I will, we'll get to that one next, but I actually don't mind. I know how you're going to vote in that one. And like, that, that's not my bracket winner or anything. So like, I, I'm fine with that one. I'm just saying, I know how you feel about Secondhand Lions. Do you want to move it on, get a free pass this one time in exchange for a free pass later? Bob, I am so certain that the gods of film and whiskey, the pantheon <laughs> of the fiery inferno. Martin Scorsese is just sitting up there on Olympus <laughs> shouting cinema <laughs> like a lightning <Yes>. bolt <laughs> in a toga. Oh, oh man. The, the lore of our podcast is being deepened. <laughs> All right, fine. Who, then, who, then, sits at, who sits at Scorsese's right hand then? Or is this just Patreon content? We're going to do a bonus episode on the pantheon <laughs> on of the film hierarchy and of gods on film and whiskey. 
<laughs> yeah. I feel like it's got to be based on who we've featured so far. It's like Scorsese and Denis Villeneuve. Like those are the obviously. Two. Yes. <laughs> all right. So you're saying no to my offer. That means it's time to flip the coin of destiny, which, as we all know, is a rigged system. Uh, but here's here's my contention. You can flip the coin, Bob. I have utter faith in secondhand lines to move on over an objectively worse movie in Hunchback of Notre Dame. All right, fine. Then we will do secondhand lions heads, hunchback right. tails. Do you want me to share my screen with you? I'm going to do the Google flip. If if you want to, Bob, I I genuinely trust All you. All right, here we go. Brad, Robert, hunchback moves on. No, it doesn't. <laughs> go. Oh, I shared man. my screen. You saw the result. All, this is all I have to say is that you must have angered the gods. Scorsese's wrath will fall upon you. All right. We are running behind. Uh, Brad's what's, favorite movie of all time is knocked out already. What's, this, what's, the, stupid, uh, what's the stupid guy, Fratello, in, uh, in Hunchback of Notre Dame? Yeah, I don't know what his name is. The the fires that consume his lustful soul are going to consume <laughs> oh, Frollo. you, Bob. Frollo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go, Frollo. All right, let's move on to the next one, Brad. We're like way behind. Uh, I hemmed and hawed too much. The number nine seed, Prince of Egypt, is going up against the number 24 seed, School of Rock. Uh, I am shocked at how low that seeding is, but that just goes to show you. <laughs> Brad, I'm pretty sure you had School of Rock ranked as your third lowest movie. Yep. On your, like, it was behind Rocky Four, which is just an insult. <laughs> Like, objectively, a better movie than Rocky Four. Come on, man. What are you talking about, man? It doesn't have any robots in it. I had it ranked at number eight, if that kind of tells you where we fell out on Holy these things. Holy so, cow. Yeah. Yeah, I'll vote, I'll vote Prince, one of the greatest animated films of all time. I will vote School of Rock. I have a feeling I know where this is going. Brad, I'll let you flip the coin this time. Heads, right. Prince of Egypt. Tails, School of Rock. Let's freaking do it. Bob. Yeah. School of Rock is moving on. Hell yeah. All right. Woo. Oh, Man. my bracket just got wrecked. This is a, this is truly a madness style bracket. Riggedy, riggedy wrecked. We have, we have one more in this quadrant, Brad. It is the number eight seed, Revenge of the Sith, going up against the number 25 seed, The Terminal. Now, I think both of us will agree, and I love The Terminal. It was one of my movies. Revenge of the Sith is the better movie. Yes. And it is moving on. Easily. However, this is one of those areas where I'm going to give you a little bit of crap because I had Revenge of the Sith ranked way higher in my list than you had it in yours. And I am shocked by that because you are like the resident Star Wars guy. And we spent an hour gushing about that movie. <laughs> so I got to ask you, man, like, why was Return of the Sith so low on your list? Dude, here's the thing. I It's because I rewatched episodes one and two. And I think that episode three is literally a, a thematic remake of Return of the Jedi. And I absolutely love Return of the Jedi. And I absolutely love Revenge of the Sith. But the first half of those movies are poo-poo, mm -hmm. <laughs> to, to put it nicely. Mm -hmm. Like, the acting is bad. The writing is bad. The 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 movement from scene to scene is bad. Like there's good scenes within it, 
But overall, the first half of both those movies are bad. And I think that episode one and two actually just flow better as movies. They have they have better dialogue. They have better action scenes. Uh, but wow. then Revenge of the Sith just like takes the cake for the end of the movie okay. that I freaking love. The same way Re- Return of the Jedi does. So I, I just I, I think I was in an existential crisis where within the Star Wars universe, I just didn't know what to do with Revenge of the Sith. And so I was like, I, I don't know. I'll just put it at like 17. Sure. All right. There it is. Well, I've given you enough crap because we're both moving it on. So our first yeah. four <laughs> entries into the round of 16 are Gone Baby Gone, Hunchback of Notre Dame, School of Rock and Revenge of the Sith. I'm four for four. Brad is two for four. Uh, things are going my way right now. I do not anticipate that lasting forever, but we're moving into the bottom left quadrant here where we've got the number four overall seed. Good night and good luck. Going up against the number 29 seed, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Uh, these are both in some ways equally surprising seedings, Brad, because good night and good luck. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I said this on the episode is like a, a perfectly made movie that is also like you're going to forget you watched it three weeks from now. You know what I mean? And yep. And yet when it came time for us to do our rankings, we both ranked it really high at the end of the season. And I appreciate that you remembered it enough to do that because it is like, I mean, it's up there for me in terms of in terms of like journalistic movies. I I just think it's such a perfectly constructed and written film. It was our number four seed. And the 29 seed is Harry Potter eight, a movie that I did not anticipate being that low and yet like totally justified. Yeah, I I think that good night and good luck is just such a quietly powerful film. And like Network is similar to it, but it's a very loud, powerful film, right? Mm -hmm. Like the whole catch line of Network is like, I'm mad as hell and I'm going to do something about it or, you know, whatever it is. Perfect. Uh, Perfect delivery uh, (laughs) of that not at all correct line. Nailed it. Uh, But Good Night and Good Luck is just a quietly powerful film that was really moving uh, I, I loved Robert Downey Jr. in it. I, it it's just really a great movie. It, it It's not going to win my bracket. Nope. I don't think it's going to win your bracket. Nope. But it definitely deserves to move on over what I think might be the worst of the Harry Potters. Mm-hmm. Close to it. And I say that carefully. So, yeah, good night and good luck. Let's go. All right. That brings up the number 13 seed, Mission Impossible 3, up against the number 20 seed, Harry Potter 7, I'm going to call it. We both really liked Harry Potter seven. Like that is a really underrated movie in the Harry Potter canon. Whereas eight, I think is very overinflated. Totally agreed. And yet we still had it kind of lower than I anticipated. Like 20 is, is a little low, Brad. I got to say mission impossible three did some real damage, uh, both in my bracket and in my ranking at the end of the year. And it came time for me to decide between like mission impossible three and edge of tomorrow, which were our two cruise entries this year. And I think that in my estimation, Mission Impossible 3 really went up in stock and Edge of Tomorrow went down a little bit. Not that like mm. I think Edge of Tomorrow is a worse movie, but Edge of Tomorrow had more flaws than I remembered and Mission Impossible 3 had fewer flaws than I remembered. So in this yeah. matchup, I actually pretty easily moved on Mission Impossible 3. But if it ever comes to the point where we're making Mission Impossible and Edge of Tomorrow face off, I think I might actually be leaning Mission Impossible right now, which I never would have expected. I would be too. Wow. I I don't know what it was, 
but Mission Impossible 3 is just one of the most fun movies. And I, I just think it moves so smoothly from like set piece to set piece. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm with you, man. Let's move Mission Impossible 3 on. All right, that takes us to our number 12 seed up in the air against the number 21 seed Hunt for the Wilder People. Uh, This was actually a pretty easy one for me, Brad. Hunt for the Wilder People was a movie that I loved when it first came out and that has pretty quickly kind of lost its luster for me. Still a really good movie, still really cute. Like I I would group it with those movies that we did this year that are like chef, like solid movie, totally worth a Netflix night when you're just like, I want to watch something and I want to be completely entertained, like turn that bad boy on. Um, yeah. But I don't know. If it's, it's a crowd. It's a crowd pleaser. hundred percent. Yeah. Up in the air is a better movie. Yeah. Up in the air. Moving on. Speaking of chef, it is our number 28 overall seed, which again, like it's a good movie. Like, I don't want to suggest that because it's 28, it's not <laughs> worthy at all. Really solid movie, but it's going up against the number five overall seed signs. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say this now, Brad, surprisingly for me. And I guess at the end of the day, not that surprisingly, Signs was my highest ranked movie when I did my personal ranking. It's not the best movie that we watched this year. There are still some weird forced M. Night Shyamalan jokes in there, but Mel Gibson is the best he's ever been and like gives one of my favorite screen performances ever in that movie. It is such a powerful film. Uh, and I really think that in the number five seed here, it's poised to maybe be the dark horse in our bracket this year. Signs moved on for me very easily here. Yeah, Bob, I I think that Signs was the highest ranked movie from your list that I put on my list, Mm -hmm. I believe. Uh, It was just so surprisingly good. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix in a tinfoil hat is just (laughs) chef's kiss perfect. Mm. Uh, So, yeah, let's let's push that on to the next round. I have no idea how I did this, but I am eight for eight so far, Brad. Our our eight entries so far into the round of 16. Gone Baby Gone, Hunchback of Notre Dame, School of Rock, Revenge of the Sith, Good Night and Good Luck, Mission Impossible 3, Up in the Air, and Signs. I think that's a pretty damn good list so far, Brad. I think it's missing two very good movies. <laughs> this also might be, though, one of the first times we've ever agreed on an entire quarter of the bracket thus far. We did pretty good, man. And I think yeah. as a result, we should reward ourselves with some Starlight Whiskey. Brad, which one would you like to start with? Ooh. Uh, let's let's just start with the bourbon, man. All right. Let's start with the classic. Let's get to it, Brad. Today's sponsor is a little bit of a departure from our usual area of expertise and Man, oh man, I was blown away by their product once we received it. I am talking about Manscaped. Now, if you're like me at all, you've probably seen the Manscaped ads and kind of wondered to yourself, like, do I really need like some sort of specialty trimmer to take care of my downstairs business? And I've just got to be honest, I was absolutely wrong. Uh, their trimmer is called the Lawnmower 4.0. And I got to say, it is the Rolls Royce of trimmers. It's got a ceramic blade that reduces grooming mishaps, a wireless charging base, and an awesome flashlight that keeps things illuminated while you're working. And beyond all that, it's waterproof. This thing is really changing the game when it comes to below the belt hygiene. Now, this is just me talking about my experience, but this trimmer really is way beyond anything I've ever used to keep things neat and tidy. You can use our discount code film whiskey to get 20% off your order and free shipping head on over to manscape.com and use code film whiskey to get 20% off free shipping and you will be well on your way to hygiene heaven
All right, we are jumping into our first of these three Starlight whiskeys, which is a single barrel bourbon. This is 118 proof. It's under their Huber's Old Rick House brand. Uh, Brad, I'm super excited to jump into this. I just I really love Starlight. I'm excited about what they're doing. When I pour this out, I got to say on the nose, there is like an immediate oak, like it's really oaky up front and then just like caramel for days. Brown sugar, there's a little bit of rye, there's a little bit of wheat. I don't actually know what's in the mash bill here, but that's what I'm picking up on the nose. Man, I am having a very different experience from you on the nose, Bob. For me, it's a it's a bit of vanilla, but wildly strong grapefruit. Mm, interesting. Okay. Like I this is an incredibly like citrus fruity nose that I am just digging. I like I absolutely love it. If you had to give it a score on the nose, Brad, where would you come out? Um, probably like an eight, I'd say. Yeah, I'm like a seven and a half to an eight. When I get to the taste, like that's where this really jumps up. I just my, the, my note was, oh man, this is great. It's really yeah. spicy and sweet, and it's it's that it's both of those things in spades. Uh, I would never have guessed this was 118 proof though. Like it has a a nice kind of like grainy spice to it. But it's not harsh. It's not super alcohol forward. It really tip, uh, tips into the sweetness when you go to swallow instead of bringing that kind of harsh chest burn on the way down. Yeah, I, I'm with you on the the beautiful sweetness. It is not overpowering in an alcoholic sense. For me, it, it stays kind of citrusy on the palate, uh, but there's a lot of caramel and vanilla going on. I am I'm really liking this, Bob. Yeah, me too, man. And again, on the finish, it's a little bit short. Like, I think if there's anything that I could ding this whiskey on, it's really pleasant, but there's just not a long lasting flavor that stays behind on my palate. I will give it points for not being super aggressive and harsh on the way down. Uh, again, I would not have guessed this was 118 proof unless I read it on the label. So, it, you know, it's it's kind of like got one foot in. Oh, that's I wish they could improve on this one little thing. But then another foot in like, oh, they're doing this part of it really great. <laughs> yeah, I for me the finish is still like really fruity, really sweet, um and there's a decent amount of oak that comes through at the end. Uh, Bob, this is like a really fascinating single barrel for me. I think there's a ton of flavor going on. I if I was scoring this out, I'd probably end up around a 39 40 out of 50 i i think this is a really spectacular whiskey yeah because we don't have prices on these like if i'm just scoring this out of 40 on the categories that you know we usually do for the tasting part of our our reviews this would probably be around a seven and a half across the board for me to an eight like this is well above average a really strong single barrel and again like i love that starlight is sending us product that's like single barrel you know what i mean like we w we trust that even something as volatile and wildly, you know, hard to predict as a single barrel is going to be so good that we're willing to send that out for review. Like, I think it, it says a lot about how much faith they have in the quality of their product. And I'm incredibly excited to test their faith in their product and whatever we're drinking next from them. <laughs> All right. Before we get there, Brad, we have to get back into our bracket. What do you say? Let's get to it. All right, that was Starlight Bourbon. Uh, Brad, they just know what they're doing, man. Knock it out of the park. <laughs> like every single freaking whiskey they send us, I'm just like, oh, yep, yep, Starlight, they're doing it. <laughs> 
we're moving to the upper right corner of our bracket where we have the number two overall seed charade going against the 31 seed to catch a thief. Our two Cary Grant movies are on complete opposite poles of our <laughs> lists here, Brad. Uh, I'm not surprised that to catch a thief is 31. Like I, I actually had it ranked 32 on my list because Rocky four is probably a worse movie and Elizabeth town is probably a worse movie, but like I still enjoyed both of those more. Yeah. I, I was shocked at how bored I was during To Catch a Thief. Yeah, I, man, that was a that was a pick for me. It's a movie that I remembered watching as like probably like 11, 12 year old with my dad at some point and just thinking it was really cool and the, the chase scene on the rooftop at the end, I, I remembered that. So there, it was just like one of those like, yeah, I'd love to come back to this. I remember liking it as a kid. And man, oh man, is it boring. Yeah. And I was very unimpressed. A, a swing and a miss for Mr. Alfred Hitchcock himself. Still a very beautiful movie to look at. Um, mm-hmm. But I very much felt like I am looking at this movie. I am not watching this movie. Yeah. And I think that's the worst thing I can say about it. Charade, on the other hand, is your highest ranked movie on your list, Brad. Yep. I was just... So jazzed that Ooh. we got to review this movie. Jazzed. It it just it a blew my mind that you had never seen it. Like when we started this podcast and I knew nothing about movies, I was like, oh, I really like charade. Like, have you seen it? And you're like, no, it's on my list. You know, it's it's a hole in my my movie knowledge. And I'm like, well, if that's a hole in your movie knowledge, I don't know what my new movie knowledge is, but we need to watch charade someday. So I was man, I was so pumped that we watched it. And then. You you went out there and you got Patrick H. Willems to jump on that I episode. I sure did. Happy and birthday might, to you, man. That might be one of the best gifts you've ever gotten me, Bob. <laughs> uh, Along with the criterion of charade that I oh. kept forgetting to give you for six months and just gave you last week. Dude, now now I want Patrick to sign that copy. <laughs> so uh, get on it. Like he had something to do with the production of that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> All right. Charade's moving on. And that takes us to our 15 seed Sherlock Holmes I don't know. What's it called? The Reichenbach Fall? We did the an episode. Reichenbach Fall. We did an episode of Sherlock as an episode of our podcast, which is a first for us and maybe a last. Who knows? And <laughs> it's going up against the 18 seed, The Born Identity. Now, I will say this, Brad. The reason Sherlock is so low is because I had it ranked as like my seventh lowest thing on my list. Not because it's bad. Like, I think I gave it a nine out of ten. Yeah, but I said even then, this is a phenomenal episode of television, but it is lacking many of the things that we would use, like many of the things that would make this what we call cinematic. Like it just doesn't feel like a movie, even though it is edited like a movie, the length of a movie. It's just not a cinematic experience. And the more that I tried to justify having it higher on the list, the more I just couldn't. And so it fell pretty far on my list. I'm actually moving on The Born Identity here. And The Born Identity is a really solid movie that has some flaws and some drawbacks to it. But at the end of the day, I I guess I just had a little bit more snootiness about whether Sherlock (laughs) qualified or not than I realized. Well, I am so thankful, Robert, that you descended to a place where you allowed me full artistic control over my list <laughs> you honored it you dignified it by descending to mm. to review it for an entire episode yep so sure thank you for descending to the depths of television to to watch it with me and review it uh i think that this was actually one of the biggest struggles for me in the whole first round of the bracket 
because I just really love the Born Identity. I, I think it is one of the best, just pure action thriller movies made. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not perfect, but man, is it just an absolute blast. Uh, the reason I moved Sherlock on, though, is for the simple fact that I realized as I was thinking about it that Mission Impossible 3 just did it better than what the Born Identity did. Mm. And like, since we had just watched Mission Impossible 3 and it was fresh in my brain, like they feel like very similar movies. And I just think that Tom Cruise does it better uh, than, than Matt Damon. So I am moving Sherlock on. That's fine with me. I don't think either one of these is going to get past charade in the next round. So like, I really don't care, except my pride yep. is on the line because I'm batting <laughs> a thousand right now. Yeah. Uh, am I flipping the coin or are you, Brad? Uh, I'll flip the coin, Bob. That's tradition. <laughs> yeah, sure it is. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> All right. Uh, heads is going to be Sherlock. Tails is going to be the Born Identity. Bob, the Born Identity is moving on. Yeah. Your your pride is growing. Ten for ten, man. This has never happened. <laughs> All right. Here's, this is impressive. Here's where my streak ends, Brad. Because I did not make a pick for this next one. I did not oh, make a pick. Oh, you have to then. I'm not going to say another word until you, you choose. Well, let me say what the matchup is. It's the number 10 seed, If Beale Street Could Talk, against the number 23 seed, Spider-Man. <laughs> Brad? And you you want to pick Spider-Man, but if you do... It's not even that. I, I think that you would agree with me that objectively, by like everything we know about what filmmaking is... <laughs> what what cinema is when Martin Scorsese yells it? Like Beale Street's a better movie, right? Oh, obviously. <laughs> However, there's something about Spider-Man and it's not just that like there are moments that are iconic. And this is the one I was talking about where I had it ranked like number seven in my list overall. And Brad, you had mm-hmm. it ranked way lower than that. So, yeah. so I was shocked at how high this ended up. But when I think about that iconic moment of the upside down kiss, when I think about the deliciously like hammy performance by oh. uh, Defoe, like Tobey Maguire is my Spider-Man forever. I think yep. this is a great movie in what it sets out to do. Is it as good as Spider-Man 2? Absolutely not. If this movie fell out of existence, would we still have Spider-Man 2? Yes, for the time being. Mm-hmm. I just can't put these two movies against each other. I think Beale Street's better. I think I'm going to pick Spider-Man. Screw it, dude. I'm picking Spider-Man. I it, This kind of feels like if we pit, like, do the right thing versus Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, or like against, uh, uh, this is Spinal Tap. Like, it this is so feels... weird for me because we are not the guys that are like, the defenders of superhero movies typically no not at all <laughs> i don't like the marvel cinematic universe that much but i'm with you man i picked spider oh, okay all right so we're <laughs> moving it on uh yeah thank you for your service if beale street could talk but you are no more and that no takes more. us to the last matchup of this quadrant uh, the number seven seed tangled against the number 26 seed denis villeneuve's arrival sorry denis yeah i'm thinking tangled yeah, Tangled's so good, dude. I I just that is one of the few movies where every single time I watch it, I like it more and more. You so, definitely yeah. like it more than me, and I think that'll come out like in in later rounds. Mm-hmm. But at this point, like I don't I don't like Arrival that much. So this was very easy for me. <laughs> well, Bob, if there's anything I know you do like, 
It's divorce. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about the next matchup. Marriage Story, our number three seed versus Rocky Four. The 30 seed. Which is our number 30 seed. Now, Brad, only one of these films features a robot and uh, Italian man relationship, which is what we're all looking for in our movies, right? Like <laughs> that's, that's it. Clearly a mark against marriage story. So we're moving Rocky four on next matchup without question, <laughs> without question. Marriage story is a nearly perfect film and it moved on incredibly easily for me. Just very obviously over Rocky four. <laughs> can we just, can we just give some sort of an ode to the beauty that Rocky four was before it goes into the fiery furnace? It is. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't have words to describe it. It's like it's like if Tommy Wiseau tried to make the original Rocky, you know, (laughs) that's that's kind of how I feel. Like, it's not completely inept, but it's just so dumb. Mm, It's so bad. You, You know what, though? Here's my tribute. Man, does Sylvester Stallone look good with that beard? Oh, man. He should have rocked a beard all the time. Every, all the time, like truly a gorgeous man <laughs> with a beard. But that but that beard is now lost to the fiery inferno. All right. This is where you start to get pissed off with me, because for the next two matchups, I pick the movie you don't want me to pick. And I'm just going to say it now. Uh, the number 14 seed about time versus the number 19 seed Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I will fully admit that I think most people would probably move about time on here. And this was actually a huge struggle for me because I was going to say you, you really like about I, time. I really like about time. Uh, and I had to think about like the moments in each movie that get me more emotionally worked up and, uh, and the father son relationship in, in about time in, in both of them. <laughs> in both. <laughs> oh of them. yeah, that's right. About time is really hard to let go of. I think at the end of the day, and we talked about this in the episode. There were some moments of humor that were that felt a little forced, that were a little bit awkward. Felt like they were kind of putting off getting into the meat of the movie a little bit. And Guardians 2 is to this day still my favorite MCU movie. I think it's really underrated. I think it's one of the few that do emotion and bonding and trauma and all that stuff very well. So I did pick Guardians 2, but it was kind of by the skin of its teeth. Yeah, I I just think that About Time is one of the the most interesting time travel movies that doesn't really worry about time travel that much and it just tells a really beautiful story uh so yeah i i mean about time is heads and guardians 2 is tails yeah go for it man flip that coin bob you are on a hell of a streak guardians is uh moving on wow All right, here's one that I don't even care if I lose because uh, it's the number 11 seed Pride and Prejudice up against the number 22 seed The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. I just picked Walter Mitty because that's uh, the movie I prefer. I think Pride and Prejudice is one of those films. This made me realize, like, Brad, how your mind works when you do your rankings, because it is a perfectly (laughs) well-made movie. It's just not my thing. Like, I'm just I'm not into Jane Austen. And I really enjoyed this movie for what it was. But like, if I never see it again, I'm, I'll be fine with that because it's just not not my thing. Yeah. Uh, E.T. Perfectly good genre exercise <laughs> in garbage and uh, not going to do it anymore. You know. <laughs> All right. So really, uh, you put Walter Mitty. 
I did, Over but Pride again, Prejudice. I don't think like there are very obvious ones in this quadrant that I think are gonna like go head to head here in a couple rounds, and and neither of them are Walter Mitty. So it's kind of like I don't care what wins this one because it's not moving very far on in my bracket at least. I'm assuming you picked Pride and Prejudice. Oh, a hundred percent, Bob. I I think it is my favorite romantic drama of all time. I just, I, there's something about Pride and Prejudice. I just love it, man. I'm telling you, for your sake, I hope it's heads. Go ahead and flip the coin, man. Bob, that's another Tales. Jeez. You are, you are finally getting punished for your misdeeds throughout five seasons. I do not think that that is the truth. I am just. Walter Mitty moves on. You are getting absolutely massacred here okay uh the final matchup in this quadrant and in our round of 32 is the number six seed edge of tomorrow up against the number 27 seed young adult i'm not surprised to see young adult at 27 even though i think both of us would agree it's a very well-made movie it's just like it's not a feel-good experience you know there's nothing good about that movie (laughs) aside from how well it was made yeah and Edge of Tomorrow like is a movie that, like I've already said, I think is a little bit more flawed than its number six ranking would indicate. But at least for this matchup, I think Edge of Tomorrow moves on pretty easily. Yeah, I, I was surprised to see Edge of Tomorrow at six. I, like I was thinking it'd be in like the nine to 12 range. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Edge of Tomorrow moves on for me. All right. So that finalizes our round of 32. I'll give the 16 on this side or the eight on this side that move into the round of 16 charade, the born identity, Spider-Man tangled marriage story, guardians Two, Walter Mitty and edge of tomorrow. Brad, we have our round of 16 set. Let's drink another whiskey. Are we going rye or are we going wheat this time? But you know what? You're getting your way, Bob. Let's just drink a wheat. (laughs) All right, let's do it. All right, our second whiskey today. Brad felt like he needed to give me a, a little bit of an olive branch, keep my lucky streak going. We're going to look at this Starlight Distillery Wheat Whiskey. Again, this is a single barrel, which I just, I love the balls, man. Like, this is just a really <laughs> gutsy thing for them to do. This one is clocking in just a hair under the bourbon. This is at 113.2 proof. Brad, you know I love my weeded bourbons. I love my wheat whiskeys. I'm really pumped for this one. Yeah, when I get into the nose on this, uh, for me, it definitely has like a cream of wheat. Did you ever eat that growing up? Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't yeah. like it, but I have eaten no. it before, you know? I Well, it, it has a very specific kind of flavor and nose to it. Mm-hmm. And for me, I kind of got that here. It's a little bit of cream of, of wheat. Uh, there's some vanilla. And honestly, for me, it does come across really grainy up front. Yeah, there's not a lot going on on the nose of this one. And I will say, like, I have sipped through all three of these already, so I'm just offering notes. Of the three that we're drinking today, I think this one is probably the least complex. And I would probably say that at every level of the tasting here. It's certainly not a bad whiskey, but this is probably the most, uh, you know, like one note nose that we had uh, of the bunch. And on the taste, I think this one is really alcohol forward. Like if the bourbon was a very mellow 118, I would say this wheat whiskey is actually a pretty alcohol forward 113. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. The the alcohol comes in pretty strong. 
Um, the palate, Bob, you're right. It is kind of a one note whiskey. It's it's weedy and vanilla, uh, and it and it's solid. It is it's nice and sweet and delivers a good flavor profile. It's just not very complex. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and then you kind of get into the finish. It's it's creamy. There's some vanilla still going on. There's a little bit of oak. Um, the the thing I'll say about this whiskey is even as it kind of hits on one specific flavor profile, you can still tell that it's a really high quality whiskey. Yeah, and I mean that for me, it came out on the finish. Like I wouldn't call it a complexity, but right when I went to swallow, it was almost like a note of saline kind of came out in a way that we get like with some you know, some younger aged scotches where like, oh, there's that scotch influence where, you know, it was just barley up front. And then like some of the nice smokiness or the saline comes on the back. I got a little bit of that here. And that was really nice. I think that if this was part of a small batch or if this particular barrel maybe spent just, you know, one to two more years in the barrel, I think this would really round out some of the rough edges that we got on this one. But I think it says a lot again when this is probably the worst of the three for me, Brad, and it's still like a way above average whiskey. Yeah, I'm with you. This is definitely a, a just a little bit of a step below the other two, but man, oh man, is it still tasty. And I like Starlight just can't do anything wrong in my book. All right. Uh, let's see if I can continue my streak of not doing anything wrong and get back into our bracket, Brad. <laughs> let's get to it, Bob. All right, that was Starlight Wheat Whiskey. Brad, you know I love me some wheat whiskey, and that really uh, warmed the cockles. Oh, all all the cockles of they, all the they hearts. They have been warmed. All right, so <laughs> we're moving into our round of 16. We got to whittle this thing down to eight before we get out of here today. Let's go to our first matchup. It is Gone Baby Gone, the number one seed, up against the 17 seed, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. I know you're picking Gone Baby Gone in this matchup. I'm also picking Gone Baby Gone. I don't really know if any more discussion needs to be had on this matchup. Yeah. Hunchback's just okay. Yeah. So Hunchback was really it's great. Gone. It's just not gone, baby, gone. So we're moving it on, <laughs> which takes us to another one that I think is going to be a no brainer for you. It's the school of rock, the 24 seed up against the eight seed revenge of the Sith. I actually put revenge of the Sith on over school of rock in this matchup. So I don't think we really need to argue about this one either. Yeah. Uh, now that I have revoted, uh, based off this wrong bracket that was unfairly <laughs> decided, I have chosen Revenge of the Sith to move on. All right. Well, that was easy. So we're moving down to the bottom left quadrant. We've got the number four overall seed, Good Night and Good Luck, up against the number 13 seed, Mission Impossible 3. This was kind of hard, Brad, but I think at the end of the day, Mission Impossible 3 is a really good movie that has some big flaws to it. It's not the best Mission Impossible film. I moved Good Night and Good Luck on, even though it is definitely not the flashier film. Yeah, Mission Impossible 3 is literally just a rip-roaring good time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, good Night and Good Luck moved on for me as well. Man, I'm I'm surprised to see it doing so much damage here, but I really think that that should be an indicator to people. Like, if you've never watched Good Night and Good Luck, it's a really great movie. You should really check I, it out. I will say, though, I don't think it's faced a real challenge yet. Mm. Like there, like there's definitely some movies in this bracket that I feel like just were two heavy hitters that could have done a lot of damage, but they hit into each other early on. Mm, yeah. 
And so I, I think that good good night and good luck. It's it's got a soft soft uh, schedule on the old bracket there, Bob. Well, that moves us down to the 12 seed up in the air, going up against the number five seed, Signs. Up in the Air is a movie we both really, really loved. And I think this time around, we were like, hey, it doesn't quite hold up the way it, you know, it doesn't quite hit the way it did in 2009, but it's still really good. Signs is a movie that it's like its flaws were apparent from day one, and I still love it more and more each day. And so Signs came out on top for me, Brad. Yeah, Signs is there for me as well. I I just think what Shyamalan was able to do in that film without almost ever showing an alien for like the majority of the film is just so, so good. The family dynamics, the I just love it. Signs is moving on. Hey, you remember that scene where they have their last meal together and then Mel Gibson just eats off of everybody's plate and starts crying? Yep. Hot like... Legitimately, probably to. one of like the 10 best scenes I've ever seen on film. Like, I'm not even Easily. exaggerating. Like, it's, yeah. it is so good. People are sleeping on science and they shouldn't. Because the aliens will get you. That's right. <laughs> All right. That does it for that half of the bracket. Moving on into the round of eight. We've got Gone Baby Gone, Revenge of the Sith, Good Night and Good Luck, and Signs. That takes us to our last whiskey of the day. Brad, let's drink this rye. Oh, saving the best for last, I hope. All right, our last whiskey for the day is a Starlight Distillery Double Oaked Rye. This was finished in French oak. It is 108.2 proof. Brad, having drunk through all of these now, I got to say, man, I don't know if you intended it this way or if you just wanted to save the rye for last because you wanted like a glimmer of hope at the end of this very challenging episode. <laughs> you saved the best for last. This rye, like I'm not even going to tease what I think of this. This is a fantastic rye whiskey. Bob, this is one of the best ryes I've ever drank. This in my is life. so good. All right. It so like the very, out of this world. the very first thing I wrote on my nosing notes, I said a beautiful rye. It's dusty, and that leads into brown sugar, which leads into honey notes for me. And honey is not something I typically get on rye because the mm. grain is so powerful that it kind of it kind of covers up any more subtle things you would get on the nose. This is very complex, very layered. I, I mean, like even before I took a sip, I was in love with this whiskey. Up front, it it presented a very strong rye grainy note. And then once you kind of got used to that, there's caramel, there was peanuts, and it was incredibly buttery. Mm -hmm. Like, this is an an absolutely incredible nose. And then you start drinking it. And for me, it went from, like, really strong rye into, like, caramel and, like, a French silk pie. Really creamy. It's just a super creamy palate. Yes. And almost like a little bit chocolatey there. With all that cream. It was nice and spicy, but it wasn't prickly at all. And I think yeah. what I've realized about rise, Brad, and sometimes why I ding rise a little bit on this show is that I can't think of many rise that we've had that are consistent across the board. Even if you just had like an eight out of 10 in every category, like there's mm. always something about a rye where it's like, oh, man, this is really good on the nose. Oh, man, it's really good on the taste. And then you go to swallow and it's like, Ugh, like there's this really weird. <laughs> dill note or something that just stands out in a way that it, it came out of nowhere. And this is not one of those rides. It has the like the maturity of a really well-aged bourbon. It has the sweetness of some bourbon as well, which is why I like it. But I think 
this is going to sound like it's not a compliment, but it's, it doesn't have any rough edges to it. And it's a really wow. consistent drinking experience all the way through. And I'm not saying that it's a predictable whiskey, but it's just an enjoyable whiskey. Yeah, it, it's incredibly complex. There's a lot of spice on the finish. There's a lot of sweetness on the palate and the nose has everything. Like I was absolutely blown away by the starlight. Honestly, if we were reviewing this, it would probably hit in our top five for the season easily. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Starlight Distillery, we can't wait to do more with you. I hope we get a chance to come out and visit sometime this summer. Brad, if uh, if OHLQ will ever give us permission to do a single barrel pick there, mm. I mean, like, mm. top of the list. This place is fantastic, yeah. dude. Yeah, I, they've been sending us single barrels. I am 100% in with what they're doing. Yeah. All right, man. We got to finish out this episode. Let's get back into the bracket. If we have to, let's do it. All right. That was Starlight Rye. We are good and loosey-goosey at this point. Three barrel-proof whiskeys, three absolute bangers. Thank you, Starlight, for sending those along. Yeah, you guys are literally making some of the best whiskey out there, so keep it up. Let us know anytime you want us to review it, because I, I just think you guys are, are really just some of the heavy hitters in the whiskey world right now. I want to give a quick check-in. Brad, I am 20 for 20 on our pick so far. <clears throat> yep. <laughs> cool, Bob. <laughs> Neat. All right, all right, all right. I'm going to stop gloating. We are looking at <laughs> Charade, the number two seed, going up against the Born Identity, the number 18 seed. Born Identity is really good. Charade's better. Easily. Yeah. I, I love Charade. The end. Yeah. All right, that takes us down to Spider-Man, the 23 seed, pulling the major upset in round one, going up against Tangled, the seven seed. Here's the thing, Brad. These are both really good movies that I don't have that much of an attachment to. But I think I'm going to move Spider-Man on, and I know you're probably moving Tangled on because you gave that movie a 10 out of 10. This was a really difficult decision for me. Because I really love both of these movies. Spider-Man has more of a childhood attachment for me. But I did move Tangled on. I, I, Like I said before, I really think that this season has two of my favorite animated films of all time in Prince and Tangled. And so, yeah, Tangled move on for me. So uh, let's uh, flip a coin and see what happens. Uh, as if there's any doubt as what, to what will happen. <laughs> Spider-Man's going to be heads. Tangled will be tails. Brad, flip that coin. <laughs> Freaking heads. <laughs> Obviously. I, literally I just want to say this will never happen again. And I'm just I'm going to enjoy it. For, it's like it's like watching the Cavs come back from down three one. We're like, oh, while dude. it's happening, you're like. This is not how things are supposed to go. Like, this is yeah, breaking this, the laws of physics. This is Cleveland. Like, yes. My bracket is Cleveland <laughs> in the year 2016 oh, before the man. World Series collapse. You know, I like that. I like that you're buttering me up here because that that is literally one of my favorite memories of my entire mm, life. Me too, man. Watching the Cavs win. Oh, all right. That takes us down to the bottom right quadrant where we've got Marriage Story, the number three seed going up against Guardians Two, the 19 seed. My love for Guardians 2 stops here. Like, Marriage Story is just better. Yeah, Marriage Story is one of the best, like, theatrical movies you will ever watch. And and when I say theatrical, I mean, like, 
the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, marriage story moves on. All right. That takes us to The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, the 22 seed, up against Edge of Tomorrow, the 6 seed. I also feel like Edge of Tomorrow has not faced any real competition here, Brad. Like, nope. Good movie. I don't see it getting past Marriage Story. That's for another day. It gets past Walter Mitty pretty easily. Edge of Tomorrow is just a phenomenal action movie. It takes Tom Cruise in a role that he's not familiar in. Uh, you know, being terrible at his job into getting better at his job. I, I just, I love Edge of Tomorrow. And it obviously wins over The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, I, which I will give a shout out to, man. That is probably the one role I really liked Kristen Wiig in. I, I just thought she knocked it out of the park in that I film. love your backhanded compliments. Like, I, I'll give credit where it's due. A broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Man. <laughs> All right, so we've got our eight movies locked up now, Brad. Uh, the four from this side are Charade, Spider-Man, Marriage Story, and Edge of Tomorrow. And that means, Brad, I think for the first time ever, we've got seven out of our top eight seeds in the final eight films. Really? We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, and eight. The only upset so far has been Spider-Man over Tangled. Dude, I, I'm just changing my whole bracket. Spider-Man all the way. <laughs> the chaos candidate here. <laughs> the 23 seed. All right. That wraps us up for the day. We're down to eight movies. We really like to know what you think. I want to hear people's opinion of my, my incredible streak of luck, because I have a feeling in the next episode it is going to completely backfire on me. <laughs> Reach out to us. Let us know what your pick is from the eight remaining films. You can find us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, at Film Whiskey. Or jump onto the Discord. We will be having a lively discussion talking about each and every one of these matchups. So get on there. Talk about them with us. Uh, you can find a link to our Discord at the end of every one of our show notes. All right. We will see you later on this week for part two of the Bracket Challenge. But until then... I'm Bob Book. I'm Brad G. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>